Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll have a return visit by Kirk McElhern, who will talk about the possibilities of what the next version of iTunes should contain. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, talking about problems of research in motion, the Nexus 7 and the Nexus Q for Quandary. Then we'll hear more of the same with further comments from someone else who was there, Adrian Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. This portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Friendly Integration, the makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPod cases and accessories. You know, Eyeballs provides ultimate drop protection for parents with young children, educators, and clumsy adults alike like me. Learn more at www.eyeballs.info. That's balls with a Z. Okay, www.eyeballs.info. That's with a Z. If you use the promo code Tech Night Owl, you get a 20% discount on your order till August 1st, 2012 from Eyeballs. From Kirk McElhern, we're going to focus today on, first of all, hopes, wishes, or nightmares about the next version of iTunes. Now, a lot of people have been thinking in recent months or years that iTunes needs a little work, a little bit of help. One example of what Apple has done is for the iOS, they've moved things away from iTunes. Of course, you have the music app, now you have a podcast app, etc., etc. So, Kirk McElhern, what should they do? Well, Gene, people have been talking about breaking apart iTunes for a while. They've been talking about changing a lot of things and simplifying it. I kind of think that iTunes as a monolithic application makes sense on a computer, but the separate apps for playing content makes sense on a mobile device. Look at it this way. You're funneling everything into your mobile device. Once it's on the mobile device, you're listening or viewing or, you know, whatever. But you still are only syncing from one point. Now, people who've talked about splitting iTunes into different parts often forget that this means that instead of launching one application, you may have to launch two or three to do what you need to do. Let's say you're working with your music library and you want to sync to your iPhone and you want to change some playlists, well, if the sync application is a different application, well, then you've got to have two applications open, one while you're fiddling with your playlists and another to sync. It means you um, have multiple interfaces. Yeah, the interfaces could be, could be similar enough on the computer side. As we see on the mobile side, they're not at all similar. The music app interface is very different from the new podcasts app interface. Um, the iBooks interface is totally different. The video interface is different. Again, in a way, consuming media, this makes a lot of sense because the iBooks interface with the sort of bookshelf thing actually makes is more logical than just seeing a list because, you know, look at music. You have an album with 10 songs, for instance, and there's one cover for that album that all the songs share, and they all share the same title of the album. So there's a logic to grouping things at two levels, or three if you want to count artist, or four if you want to count genre, etc. With books, it's different. Usually, you don't have multiple books. You may have a series of Harry Potter books, for instance, but in most cases, books are one-offs. This sort of leads itself to an organization that is more 
fragmented. Now, on the podcast app, again, they're grouped by podcasts. So you have two levels. You have the name of the podcast, like the Tech Night All Live, and you have the individual episodes like this one. It's interesting to do this on iOS, but I'm a little bit skeptical about doing this and making it user-friendly on the computer side. And also with the iOS... The apps are more individual task-driven because of limited resources and screen space. So you expect with a large screen on a personal computer to have a monolithic app that does a lot of things. Yeah, iOS has gotten us used to using one app for one task. And again, on a mobile device, this makes sense. As you say, the, the display is much smaller. You're tapping with your fingers, so it's not as precise as with a cursor. It makes a lot more sense to do one thing with one app. But on a computer... Not yet, I don't think. Well, maybe not ever. But okay, so that's one of the discussions we've had also at technightout.com, how and why Apple should fix iTunes and what form it would take, because now it's doing a lot of things. But basically, iTunes is a proprietary web browser. The iTunes store is a web browser. That's right. So you have basically two parts. You have the portion that handles your local music library or your iCloud-based music library, and then you've got the proprietary web browser that grabs the content off the iTunes store. It's actually three parts if you want to go under the hood because what's called the iTunes source list, that's the blue sidebar on the left, that's generated via WebKit, which is the web framework that generates the iTunes store. That's like another browser. It's like another browser. It's like you have multiple browser windows. And that sidebar that you can display on the right, which shows information from the iTunes store, that's also a web browser. So basically, iTunes is a combination of a web browser and a database. The database offers four different ways to present your data. But once you go into the store or in different sections, like the the different sidebars, then it's using WebKit and it's displaying things as if it's a web browser. All right, so let's look at iTunes and think, why do we want to dismantle it? Or what can we do to make it easier to use so we're not dismantling it? It's still one place to cover all your media content. Okay, there are a couple of points to look at before we go there. First of all, when people say that software is bloated, and this is the word that people often use with iTunes, they'll say that there are too many features. Well, the feature that you use isn't the feature that I use. So saying there's too many features isn't really a valid argument. Another thing is to say that all these things make the application big and slow. Well, that's not true because these are discrete features. When you create a new playlist, this doesn't make the iTunes application turn on syncing and and display store pages. All these things are independent. So a a lot of people, they discuss taking the store out of the iTunes application. That's fine. It's not going to change much. It's just going to give you a second application. But then, of course, it's the integration because now you download music directly from iTunes, and you click on music in your library, and there are the tunes, you hope. Exactly. You don't have to switch to another application. Now, you could make the iTunes store an application just like the Mac App Store, and it would still funnel the music into iTunes. But what's the advantage there? Again, you'd you'd have to go back to iTunes and click on music to find your music or movies to find your videos or whatever. So there's no real advantage to having the store as a separate separate application. Because all the content is going into your iTunes library no matter what. And again, given that it's just web pages in the store, this isn't a lot of overhead on iTunes. It's not like having another web browser open is going to cripple your computer. Okay, so what can we think about in terms of making iTunes more efficient? Because as you keep adding more and more features, I can see the point. For example, we have the Mac App Store. The Mac App Store is a separate app. 
it's not integrated with iTunes. Shouldn't it be if the iOS app store is? Uh, no, because your Mac apps don't go in your iTunes library. So that wouldn't make sense. Your Mac apps go in your applications folder. So it's logical that the Mac app store be separate, especially because, as we've seen in reports about Mountain Lion, all updates to both Mac OS X and to Mac app store purchased programs will go through there. So this is going to replace the current software update application. The only place that I would see iTunes being split is to remove the syncing. But then you run into another problem. Since you're syncing content from your iTunes library, what advantage do you have to have syncing as a separate application? Now, you, you remember the iSync application, which I think died out with Lion. I think it was still around in Snow Leopard. And this was used to sync third-party devices, and it, it worked relatively well, but it was limited in the content it could sync. Now, you could certainly make syncing a separate application and still get your iTunes content, but then you're adding a second application for something. In other words, I'm looking at my iTunes screen now. I've clicked on my iPhone, and I'm seeing all the different things I can sync. This information is coming from my iTunes library. Making an abstraction of that and putting it in a separate box doesn't really make my life any better. Having this as part of iTunes doesn't slow anything down because until you click that sync button, you know, iTunes isn't using any resources, CPU, memory, or, or anything extra for syncing. I think we're clearing up some of the misapprehensions about iTunes and figuring out how Apple might change it. And a reminder, we were brought to you this segment by Friendly Integration, makers of the Eyeballs line of unique iPad cases and accessories. Go to www.eyeballs.info. That's eyeballs with a Z. Use the promo code TechNightHow to get a 20% discount until August 1st. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Good day. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, June 29th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1580.80. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1620.58, 810.29 for a half ounce, or 405.14 for a quarter ounce. That's 1620.58, 810.29, and 405.14. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 
Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details and your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com, UtopiaSilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, looking at ways to possibly, maybe, conceivably make iTunes more efficient. I mean, it does take a little time to get started for some people. It's not the fastest running app on the planet. You know, I have a music library of, let's see, 60-some-odd thousand tracks. I launch iTunes. Okay, I've got an SSD, but it launches in a second. So I don't know what would be slow. The, the only thing it reads when it launches, it reads a preferences file to set preferences. But other than that, it just reads the iTunes library file, which since I think it was iTunes 8.5 around there, got much smaller than it had been in the past. The, there was a time when the iTunes library file could be more than 100 megabytes. And of course, this would take time to read it from a hard disk. If I look at my iTunes library file, it's 19.8 megabytes. This is for a library with more than 60,000 items in it. It only takes a hundredth of a second to read a file that size. So, no, I don't see iTunes as being slow to launch unless you have a very old computer or unless you don't have a lot of memory and when iTunes launches, your computer has to start paging. That would be the only instance I see. Any insights on what happens on the Windows platform with iTunes? That's where I think you see the worst complaints. So that might be just a consideration of Windows, because everything seems to launch slowly on Windows. 
Yeah, and, and iTunes on Windows is a little different because iTunes on the Mac is relatively well integrated with the actual operating system. I mean, it's using WebKit to display things like the iTunes Store. Um, it's using the QuickTime framework. And, and these things are extras on Windows. So there could be some more overhead that you don't have on the Mac. And it's true that there are far more complaints from Windows users about iTunes than there are from, from Mac users. But there are far more Windows users using iTunes because, you know, while it started on the Mac, once the iPhone came around, um, and even before that with the iPod, it, it got very popular. So th there are always issues, and, and a lot of this could be, you know, the many issues with Windows and video drivers and, you know, older computers and home-built computers and all that. And, you know, one of the advantages that we know that we have for using a Mac is that the hardware and the software are designed to work together. Well, the other thing to consider is that in terms of frames of references, what apps on the Windows platform do everything that iTunes does? Not even the Zune app did that. Well, Windows Media Player and other apps like that do manage an awful lot of content. You know, I don't know how you get apps onto an Android phone. I assume there's got to be some sort of a Windows application to manage them unless you just buy them on the phone and back them up. So I, I don't know. I think um, it's largely supposed to be cloud-based. Okay. There are a number of media players on the Windows side, and they generally work like iTunes. However, they don't, I don't think many of them have stores. Is the Zoom store still even open? I don't think so. You know, Apple has things like iTunes U and books that you don't get on the Windows platform. So iTunes is managing more things. Well, there is that to say and that consideration. So in the end, you kind of think that iTunes, for the most part, is pretty good as it is. I think in some ways it's a necessary evil that it's a big program with lots of features. And, you know, part of, my, part of the way I make a living is explaining this to people. And I understand that it's complicated. You know, in my Ask the iTunes column, we've got hundreds of emails with questions, some of them really basic, but some of them that go really deep into, you know, unexpected type questions. Um, so I, I, you know, it's hard. I know the program well, so I don't really have the issues that other people do when they're trying to figure out how to do something. Now, on the other hand, the one thing that people maybe don't do is read the help. You know, the, the help in iTunes is pretty good. Apple's got a bunch of tutorials on their website. Um, there really is a lot of content to help users understand how to use iTunes. They can always buy a book, of course. They could always buy a book like my Take Control of iTunes. Or you see, I gave you a chance to do that plug. You gave Adam, me the, I, I get a free plug here. That's right. Um, Adam Inkst did not send me a check. But you do have some ideas in your blog at McElhern.com of things that could be improved with the iTunes store. And one you suggest is more file format support. In what sense? Well, there are a couple of issues. Um, the first is that a lot of people are satisfied with MP3s and AAC files, but a lot of people want lossless. Now, Apple has their own lossless format called Apple Lossless, but the most popular lossless format is FLAC, which means free lossless audio codec. Uh, iTunes does not support this, and this would be really good if they did. Now, I don't really expect them to sell that in the store, but I would expect that you know, at least you could add FLAC files to iTunes rather than have to convert them to Apple lossless. Now, eventually, iTunes could, the iTunes store could sell lossless files. I'm not convinced that most users really care about this because the majority of people who buy music 
digitally are listening to it on mobile devices. They're listening to it on a, a small on computer speakers or a small iPod dock or something in an office. Um, I think only a small percentage of people pipe this music through a stereo. But those people would like to buy lossless files instead of buying compressed files. Again, I don't think it's a huge issue in terms of sound. I mean, we've had many discussions about sound quality and all of that. Um, but I think that the demand is there, and Apple could approach that. Another thing that, that um, iTunes doesn't support is a number of video files, AVI, MKV, um, a whole range of video files that people, you know, sort of get here and there, and Apple doesn't support. Now, it's possible that they don't support them because... On the one hand, people you know get them here and there, and on the other hand, let's say you make you rip a DVD and you make an MKV file. You know, does Apple really want to support a format like that, which isn't part of the QuickTime framework, which involves you know other sorts of codecs? They have to license more codecs. Now, the other thing you have to consider here is that Apple is designing iTunes in a very large extent to interface with mobile devices. You're managing everything on your Mac, and yes, you're listening to music on your Mac, but the resource sizes on your iPod, on your iPhone, and your iPad, a lot less storage space for music, so lossless isn't quite as flexible there. So there's no, one reason, there's an important reason not to have any format except for the lossless, which people would use on the Mac or PC, for example. There is little reason to have any format that's not compressed on iTunes otherwise because of the portable devices. Well, let me correct you there, Gene. Um, if, you look in, if, you, uh, if you've got a device connected to your Mac and you look in iTunes on the summary pane after you've selected the device, you go down to the options. There is an option to convert higher bitrate songs to AAC files. And you can choose 128, 192, and 256 uh, KBS. Right, now, you're compressing let's them. assume you have a lossless library on iTunes and you just check this option to convert the files to 256K when you put them on your iPhone. Okay, well, that's the point, I guess, considering here that no matter what they do, you're still going to have to convert it because otherwise it's not practical. Speaking of being practical, we have Kirk McElhern, author and raconteur, and we don't want to go into the French Alps stuff. He moved recently, so I don't think it applies quite as neatly anymore he's the itunes guy that always applies i'm gene steinberger in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of world customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for the spring special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. I'm Gene Steinberg again with the Tech Night Owl live and Kirk McElhern exploring iTunes. What might, could, should be changed or shouldn't be changed. iCloud integration. 
there's talk in one article online about Apple considering changes that will provide a better iCloud integration with iTunes. Yeah, well, there are a couple of rumors that are going around. And, well, iCloud is one thing that needs to integrate better. In, in the article that, that mentioned this, an article on Bloomberg, it mentioned just better iCloud integration, but it didn't say how. What I'm assuming is this means a better integration with all of the data that we store in iCloud. Um, the other thing to point out is that when these pundits write these articles, I kind of suspect they only very vaguely grasp the technology. They don't understand the technology. They're just basically using buzzwords without full understanding of the implications. Yeah. One of the things that, that is a little bit confusing in iTunes is the fact that it syncs info. There's an info tab when you're syncing a device. And, and it's contacts, it's calendars, email accounts, and some other stuff. Now, this, this is all stuff that's moved over into iCloud already. I kind of expect to see that info tab disappear. But what might be interesting would be that iTunes could be a way for you to access files that are stored in iCloud. So you create a file with a specific application, let's say Pages or a text editor or something. You can get it from the equivalent application on your Mac, but you can't just get the file on its own. You have to open it from any application. I, I would kind of like to be able to see what's in my iCloud file bucket or whatever and to be able to manage uh, those files, to be able to copy them or, or do something with them. That would be kind of interesting. Currently, the only way we access files now is by clicking on an app, and then you can either add files or copy files from them, um, clicking on an app on a mobile device. And that's a little bit clunky, a way to do it. It's, it's a process that's a little bit complicated. Yes, we don't need any more complicated. No, it's, you know, we need computers to simplify our lives. And some of these things aren't that simple. I mean, the whole iCloud thing right now is still confusing because you can, let's say you've got an iPad and you create a file with a text editor. You can't access that file from a different program. Now, if that text editor has a Mac equivalent, well, fine. You can open the Mac equivalent and get the file. But if you don't have both the Mac and the iOS versions, you can't get the file. So it's, I think iCloud needs to be more like a Dropbox folder where different applications can make files and sync them, but where you can also get access to the files when you need them. Well, this is something that we hope Apple will figure out. I'm not 100% convinced that iCloud is fully functional yet. There's still problems. They had an outage, what, just a few days ago? Yeah, there was an email outage for several hours. But, heck, there was an email outage. There was a Twitter outage for a couple hours a few days ago. So, you know, a lot of people got a lot of work done that day. <laughs> Right, 140 characters at a time. The thing about Twitter is they haven't had too many outages. They've been pretty stable for the long haul. They, they have been, yeah. Whereas um, with MobileMe, especially MobileMe email, um, you know, if, you, if you've got your, your, sorry, your iCloud account, used to be MobileMe, which, which of course ends on June 30th. Um, so basically this show will be heard on the last this day of MobileMe. show will be heard on the last day of MobileMe. And yeah. we're not going to say anything about it because I don't think anyone really cares that it's gone. Well, I kind of miss the iDisk. I like the iDisk. But, well, there are a few things. Um, bookmark syncing and keychain syncing. Bookmark syncing doesn't work well for me in iCloud. It just doesn't work. Um, I'd really like my keychain to be synced across devices, including to my mobile devices. I like the iDisk, but you can replicate that with Dropbox, even though Dropbox ends up being more expensive. Um, you can't get 20 gigabytes, which is what you had with iDisk. It's, you know, it, it's just not, it doesn't match up. 
But there are some things that MobileMe had that I think were pretty decent. The photo galleries, remember when the photo galleries came out? They were pretty nifty. It just turned out that people preferred using other services for their photos. And it's one thing, too, and I guess we see that example with Final Cut Pro X, and that is Apple will introduce a Surface that's missing features, and then the service is improved over time, and after a while, well, maybe it restores all the features and has some new ones that are pretty nifty. Yeah, instead of having them all at the beginning, like, remember you couldn't copy and paste on the iPhone in the first version of iOS? Um, they brought it in later, and everyone was like, oh, wow, they've added copy-paste. Like, you know, it should have been, oh, wow, where the, why the hell wasn't this here in the beginning? Probably because they couldn't figure a good way to make it work effectively. Even now it's kind of clunky, but it how is. do you do it with that kind of interface? I don't know. It's, it's clunky. It's annoying. You've got to drag those little, I don't even know what they're called, the little blue things on the top of the bottom of the thing to extend your selection. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we have to watch out for the little blue things that are going to attack us right away. But remember, according to a recent survey, if E.T. attacks Barack Obama by two-thirds <laughs> of those surveyed is one to be relied on more because of blue things, you know, in case the blue things attack. But then he'll send drones after them. Yeah, yeah, and Romney might send, you know, well, no, let's not get into politics. He'll outsource them. Yeah. Okay, let's I don't not, want to get into we, that. We, we, we already did, politics, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. Seriously speaking, let's move to another topic. We'll have to see what Apple does. I suppose if there's an iTunes upgrade of any major proportions, we'll see it September, October time frame with a new iPhone, maybe a slight modification to the iPod. And I wonder when the classic iPod, the one with the physical hard drive, will go bye-bye maybe this year. We're going to have to take bets. No, we're not going to take bets because that's how it goes. Now, you have a piece you did about the new MacBook Pro with Retina Display. And this is confusing because when Apple gives you the MacBook Pro with Retina Display, the word display has a lowercase d. But when they talk about Retina Display on the iPhone or iPad, it's initial caps, R and D. Why do they do that? I don't know. It must be a conspiracy. That's right. We have to tell you about the Paracast, where we will be exploring all those conspiracies. You should. I, I don't know why they did that. I, I wrote that the Retina display is confusing because Apple published a frequently asked questions document because apparently people were confused about it. Um, you know, this is a transition. We're used to looking at a resolution of a display. Um, so my 27-inch display is 2560 by 1440, and there are a number of other resolutions that I can choose. And now what Apple's done is it's giving five resolutions from larger text through best retina through more space, and they're getting rid of the numbers. So it's And how it's do you change. know what they mean? I mean, best for retina, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're basically seeing the same screen real estate you would have seen with the previous version of the MacBook Pro with half the resolution, but everything is sharper. Is that what it does? Well, this is what I think, um, that it's, <laughs> I don't have one. If I had one, I could tell you. I mean, I haven't seen one. What, what I think is what you just said, that, the, that the, the best retina is the equivalent to the previous resolution, but with retina, so what, twice as many pixels, four times as many, whatever. Exactly. Um, now, it's so, not that Apple isn't going to be pulling that stunt in mountain lion with other Macs, okay? And this is based on stuff I'm hearing. And I hate to confirm anything that Apple might change between now and the next two, three weeks when mountain lion is updated. But you may find 
that when you go to the display preference panel, instead of seeing all those numbers, you're going to see two options, which will be best for built-in display, which is optimized to the native resolution, whatever the spec is, and yeah. scaled. But if you choose scaled, then you'll see all the numbers. Yeah, it kind of makes sense to simplify it because, you know, looking, I'm looking at my resolutions that go from 2560 by 1440 down to 800 by 600. Um, there are a dozen, more than a dozen different resolutions. Now, why I would ever want to use a display at those resolutions, you know, the only reason you would do this is if you have some sort of a, if, if you have something you want to display that, that can't go to full screen itself, um, maybe a game, for instance. You know, some, some games, when you watch them, they change the resolution of your screen because they can't handle the full resolution. Other than that, there's absolutely no logic to change the resolution on a display like this. I'll give you one reason. And the reason is, in some cases, people may find that the normal text size and everything, because of their visual condition, doesn't work. That's the only way I could see there being a reason for this. Otherwise, it's just legacy stuff. Kirk McElhern is not legacy. And this is not a legacy show because it is the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. It's non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough 
Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Kirk McElhern, we're talking about lots of stuff earlier about the possible improvements in iTunes, if they're needed or not, about the curious way of setting resolutions in the MacBook Pro with Retina display with a lowercase d, being that in trying, I suppose, to make it simpler for people by using words to describe what you're seeing, you end up confusing people who remember the numbers. Then again, I think a large number of the people Apple is catering to these days never used a Mac until after they were exposed to the iOS and they're used to simplicity. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think also... Um, as you said before the break that, you know, these numbers, a lot of these resolutions may just be legacy things, and maybe it's time that we move away from them. So there it is. So when you look at the Retina display, the MacBook Pro with Retina display, and you have the color LCD preference panel as opposed to, you know. As opposed to displays, yeah. Right. Okay, they changed it, I guess, to make it simpler. But I suppose what Apple could have done was allow you to option-click display and display the numbers. They could have done that. Yeah. Of they didn't do that, but they could have done that. Yeah, but, you know, option click, this is always, these are hidden things. And these are great. When, when we publish this kind of stuff on macOS10hints.com, another plug. Um, but I, I find that regular users, as a user, I find it insulting when an application has a feature, but I can only access it by reading the last page of the manual that shows the secret key press. 
I'll give you an example of that. I had a phone call from somebody the other day. And they said, okay, I'm trying to diagnose something on my Mac. I'm using Lion. So I want to go to my user's library folder. I can't see it. What happened to it? They steal it? Of course, I go into, okay, you click on the finder. You, you hold down the option key. Right. You go to the Go menu, and you see library. It's there. Apple hit it, except it's an optional keystroke. I guess because people who don't know enough to look for the options would throw away something that's bad. But then again, on the root level of the hard drive, you still have right. a system level. Hit. Exactly. You have a system level library and system folder. And if you did any damage in there, it's a heck of a lot worse because suddenly your computer can become totally non-functional. Of course, yeah, it's going to ask for your password and stuff like that, that you know that you're screwing up your computer and you're giving the system permission to be screwed up. Yeah, it's always surprised me that those, those folders are so accessible. Again, as you said, maybe a user is going to go into the user their, their, the library folder in their, user, in their home folder and delete something. Okay, that's one thing, but you can delete stuff from the other folders. You'll get a, um, a password request. You'll have to put an admin password and, and all that. But it's still possible. I, I, I think if they want to simplify, they should simplify by hiding the system somehow. That would be a good idea. Well, they just um, hide the folder, the same thing. The same thing, it's visible only with an optional keystroke because if you don't have the knowledge to realize what you're doing, in which case you will discover that keystroke, you should know about it. It should not be there. These are things that should be kept invisible. I mean, Apple has kept invisible all those crazy Unix folders. They're yep. invisible. But we still have library and we still have system. Make and what's even invisible. worse is that and system only has one folder in it, which is called library. Right. And which all that stuff you don't need to know about. There's nothing in no. there that 99.99% of Mac users need to care about. I mean, if you really are doing things to hack your system, you'll just go in the terminal and do it. You supposedly have the knowledge to do that. You don't worry about physical file manipulation. Well, that's not true. Okay. The, the only times I ever have to go in those folders is to troubleshoot something. As I said, if less you know what to do. Right. And you have so no business being there, which file. is why I said you make it optionally visible. Right. But it's easier to find files um, in the GUI than it is in terminal. But, yeah, I think that it should be something that's hidden. It should be you'd access it the same way from the Go menu with an option key or with not an option key, whatever. Um, but there's absolutely no logic for this being visible. There's no reason, again, other than troubleshooting, I never need to go in there. So what, what you would have at the top level is applications and users, which isn't a lot. It's only two folders. Um, can they even simplify that? Applications kind of has to be visible. Maybe instead of having a user's folder, they would have separate folders for each user. In other words, put your, your home folder at the top level. I don't know. It's, cer it's certainly a good point, though, that those two folders could be removed um, without affecting most Mac users. Removed. Could be hidden, obviously. Some people will stick folders outside of your user's folder. Depends on the way you want to organize your hard drive. But I think if Apple wants to go simple, all these Unix-based folders need to be left hidden for the average user. You have no business going in there unless someone is there to help you, in which case you have an optional keystroke to get there. But the right. same logic that applies to your user's library folder applies in triplicate to... To the system-level folders. The system-level yeah. folders, the root-level folders for library and system. You know. Yeah. But then I think Apple is ultimately 
if things move the way they are, they're going to hide most of the file system from regular users anyway. Well, it makes sense. It's kind of like that in iTunes already. Um, You mean the way that files are sort of stashed away? Right. Instead of seeing the hierarchy, all you want to know is, this is my file. I don't care what folder is in. Yeah. And, I don't and care about the folder. I just want that file. Don't annoy me with folders. That's why a lot of people throw stuff on their desktop. This way they perceive it being very visible until they have 396 items on their desktop. Yeah. You know, one of the things – it's interesting that you bring that up about iTunes because you get a lot of people generally on the Windows side who complain that iTunes um, – organizes files and that they don't want it to. Well, first of all, it's a preference you can turn off. But second of all, these are people who generally are used to organizing files from back in the day that they would have to drag them onto um, folders, you know, USB um, MP3 players and stuff like that, and things that didn't sync automatically. And it always seems to me that why would you really want to go to the trouble of organizing things when you have a database that organizes it? When if you actually need to find a file, it's, it's simple. You just right-click on it and you choose Show and Finder or Show in Windows Explorer on Windows. You know, there's no – it's pretty OCD to want to make your own specific file organization, which really doesn't have anything to do with the way you're listening to your music. You see, there is – a degree of organization you can do in iTunes. Certainly you can organize things by playlists. You make a playlist and you throw any tunes you want in there. You can call the playlist anything you want, and it could even use some of those seven deadly words we can't use on radio. It doesn't matter. Apple's not going to say, you can't use that word, or have Siri come up and break through the screen and strangle you. Hey, that yeah, would no, be I'm fun. Th- that would thinking- be cool. That's a new rumor we just started, by the way. If you set up a playlist in iTunes using one of the seven... Dirty words you can't say on radio. Once you do that, Siri will break through your Mac screen and grab you by the neck. On a PC, you'll just be stabbed in the heart with a stake. Rare. Yeah, that's a funny idea. But, well, you know, the thing about iTunes is you just don't need to know where anything is, and it's just so much easier like that. And as you say, you can organize in playlists, but your files, you put them in. Once you've tagged them correctly... Um, everything's fine. You just, you know, just let everything look for it in the database. Either search for it, use playlists, use smart playlists and all that. And it makes it much easier than having to worry about where things are, you know, where they live. Well, consider this. When you Google something, you're trying to find information about something or about Mm. someone. Do you care where it is? That's abstract. Why do you care where it is? You say, okay, that's the link. I click on the link. I don't know where it is on the web server that's giving me that information. I don't want to know that. I mean, if I'm managing that web server, I guess I care about such things. But if I live in the real world, I want the information, not the stuff that tells me where it is. And that's where I think Apple's going to move, like a future version of the Finder ought to have a way of putting this in the abstract. So you organize your stuff and this is an extension of maybe a smart folders that you can do it now, sort of. But organize your stuff so it no longer matters. It's on the desktop. It's buried 12 folders deep. It is, here's my stuff for my projects or for my photos or whatever, and I don't care where you put it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, well, this is the logic that we see on iOS, and this is the logic with iCloud. As I said earlier, let's say you make a text file with a specific text editor, um, but you don't have a text editor on your Mac that can sync with it. So how do you get that file? So on the one hand, 
Okay. So on the one hand, it's interesting to have that abstraction, but on the other hand, it's a big habit to change. We never want to change this guy. Where do we find more of the stuff from Kirk McElhern? Well, on my website, McElhern.com, that's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. On Macworld, where I'm the iTunes guy. On Mac OS X Hints, where I'm the resident hint master editor. And for the next three weeks, in front of the TV, watching the Tour de France. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. And coming up next will be Ross Rubin from the NPD Group. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Don't throw away leftovers. Instead, throw all your leftovers, vegetable peels, eggshells, coffee grounds, pizza crusts, and more into the Bokashi. If you love to garden and compost but don't like the hassle of turning a compost bin or the smell, then check out the EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics. Finally, a way to recycle all your food and plant waste safely and effectively and stop using fertilizers. The EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System. Rather than decomposition, the Bokashi system uses fermentation to break down waste, so it takes less time to create nutrient dense humus for crops or gardens with no turning and no obnoxious odors. To learn more and order your Bokashi online, visit Terraganics.com and click on the orange button. That's Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Recycle all your food wastes in about six weeks with the Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics.com. Terraganics, life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group joining us. Now, he was at part of the Google I.O. conference, and we'll be talking about a little bit about the potential for the Nexus 7, a 7-inch tablet, which I guess... We'll compete with the Amazon Kindle Fire. Also, the Nexus Q, which might be Google's alternative to Apple TV. We'll get into that in a moment. But, Ross, we're hearing this week that research in motion, things aren't going very well for them. They're losing money. They're laying off people, which is the worst thing. Whether you like a company's product or not, you don't want to see people in this economy losing their jobs. 
So it's really terrible. What's going on there? Well, you know, it's been a, a very difficult uh, time for the company. Uh, they're, they're in the midst of a transition that just really can't come soon enough for them and unfortunately is, is not coming, arriving as, as quickly as they would like. Their software is, is woefully uh, out of date uh, and uh, they've been working on this new BlackBerry 10 for some time. But, you know, the challenge is the longer it takes, the, the more they have to do to even reach parity uh, with the progress their competitors are, are making. That's like chasing a moving target. As iOS 6 is upgraded, as Android is upgraded with Windows 8, Phone 8, and all that stuff, what are they going to do? Now, I was reading a statement from the current CEO, and I couldn't find any vision there. It's like he doesn't seem to have an idea how to fix what ails that company. I uh, attended the BlackBerry World Conference uh, several months ago, and I, I think that they they do have an idea of who their customer is, someone who is a, a very uh, active uh, person who's juggling a lot in their lives. Uh, like Barack also, Obama is a BlackBerry user. He's juggling <laughs> and, a lot in his well, life, I think. you know, I, I, unfortunately, you need a bigger market than that, uh, as, as prestigious as it is. You know, they... Uh, uh, they, they also, uh, through the QNX acquisition, uh, really have a, a good gateway into the vehicle, which is uh, someplace that uh, other manufacturers are, are sort of looking to penetrate. So, you know, it, it's, it's not as if they don't have an angle, but the, the strategy is, is almost moot uh, on, until they can uh, uh, get a compelling experience for users and developers again. But that's the key here with that kind of market. At what point do all the potential customers find other places to be? Like, of course, it's iOS, it's Android. If Windows Phone 8 takes off, it's them. What are they going to do? You know, that's, that's what competition is. You know, the, they've, for, for a while, they held up pretty well in, in the face of uh, more advanced, easier-to-use competitors attracting more and more applications. You know, I think this is sort of an interesting time because when, when you look at the announcements at WWDC and at Google I.O., we're really moving toward a time of uh, where, where the smartphone is becoming a more proactive aid, uh, really be taking advantage of, of the context of where you are, you know, that, that's a potential opportunity for them to exploit as well. Okay, in terms of exploiting anything here, looking at platforms, is this all going to soon shake out to be iOS, Android, and possibly Microsoft picking up the rear? Those are really the, the three most powerful ecosystem players. I mean, each of those companies has a strong revenue streams, uh, often from multiple sources, uh, and they can really afford to invest uh, at a level higher uh, than RIM can, which is why RIM, uh, you know, and, and uh, their CEO, uh, Thornton Hines, has said this, you know, they can't be all things to all people. You know, they, they really need to focus on, on who their core customer is, someone who appreciates uh, uh, the value of, of you know what what their approach will be, uh, but they've shown very little of it uh, up up to this time. Well, one of the other considerations is here that when you're fourth among these players and you don't have a plan B, you know if they don't buy your phones, maybe you license the OS or the technology or the email server technology. What's left? If Apple didn't have an iPhone, they have the iPad, they have the iPod, they have Macs. Right. Microsoft's not going out of business if Windows Phone never takes off. Right. 
Yeah, um, you know they they are uh, a pure play uh, like uh, like Nokia. You know, focus exclusively on mobile, and uh, that's why I bring up the the ecosystem uh, word because uh, mobile phones, smartphones are are more important than ever uh, as uh, as a device, as a tool in people's lives. Uh, but we're seeing greater ties to things like home entertainment, to the vehicle. Um, the cloud strategy is becoming increasingly important. And we've seen uh, Apple, Google, and Microsoft uh, continue to um, uh, to invest there. So uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things they can do to differentiate. Uh, particularly in the U.S., the carriers have interest in maintaining competition. Uh, I think they they want at least three strong players and might be open to a fourth uh, in, in the case of RIM. Uh, they also, you know, still have a decent business uh, internationally, as Nokia does uh, in, uh, in developing economies because, uh, you know, their devices are very efficient. Uh, but in, in the critical U.S. market, um, they're, they're going to need something new uh, to, to effectively compete. And the whole thing is about ecosystems, and this is part of the customer lock-in. So, for example... You have Apple, you have the iOS, you have iTunes, Mac App Store, the iOS App Store. Microsoft is trying to build out that system. So is Google. And there's a survey I saw. I don't know if you saw this survey or not. And, you know, surveys could be a dime a dozen. And this is... Hey, well, let's not discount the value of market research. Well, unless it's done by... <laughs> good good unless market Unless it's research, done generally. by the NPD group, in which case, therefore, it's always perfect. But we'll talk about one here from... Someone from Goldman Sachs says they did a survey and saying that 21% of iOS users would not leave the platform at any price. That kind of lock-in is pretty darn good. I, I would argue that there was a time you would have heard that from uh, BlackBerry users. They Somebody met their price. <laughs> yes, I, I suppose. Well, uh, you know, this it, is it, too, that if the next uh, iPhone is a loser and the one after that is a loser, they will leave Apple real fast. And that's true with anyone. If they don't perceive the platform as progressing, they're going to leave, especially because with mobile phones, for example – well, your contract's up in two years. If Absolutely. you don't like what they offer, you buy somebody else's brand. Absolutely. And this is why, you know, there are a lot of complaints about the difficulty in upgrading uh, Android phones or Microsoft leaving behind uh, the current Windows Phone users with Windows Phone 8. At least in the U.S., it, it's really not uh, that serious a concern because customers upgrade to, to new phones. You know, the, the, the upgrade policy is the de facto uh, path uh, for getting access to to a new version of the operating system. So you don't worry about whether you're going to get the latest version of Android or Windows Phone. But here's what happens, though. We now have a situation here where they've spent a lot of money promoting the Lumia 900 from Nokia. Yep. And I heard, what, $150 million being spent. You see these commercials, all mobile phones, smartphones are beta. Here's the Lumia 900 with Windows Mobile 7.5. Oh, by the way, this fall is going to be Windows Phone 8, and you can't update. So you're buying something at the beginning of the two-year process, and it's obsolete already. Well, there will, there will be at least one more upgrade. Um, uh, 7.8, but, but it's going to be like a yes. half an upgrade, if we put it that way. 
you know, a- Apple really uh, has done a great job in terms of preserving the value for and, – and someone I think uh, un- uncharacteristic to their reputation uh, has done a good job uh, upgrading uh, older iPhones and iPod touches uh, to take at least some of the features uh, of, of newer operating systems, uh, which I say is, is a bit uncharacteristic for a company known for leaving legacy behind. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been, you know, an admirable um, – uh, way to support the users, which has certainly uh, helped with the value of the the phones in in, uh, in in resale. Well, with iOS six, if you have the first, the earlier generation iPhone, the three GS, three GS, yes, it will get the updates. And of course, it's not the most powerful beast. It was powerful in two thousand nine. It's three years later, so certain features just wouldn't deliver decent performance and i suppose then it makes sense for apple to say well if we can't give you a good performance you don't get that feature but you get 90 percent of it and with the iphone 4 maybe you get 95 percent with the iphone 4s and whatever the next model is called you get all of it we get all of ross rubin for a while longer of the npd group i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price, and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. And we remind people again, when the NPD group does a survey, you can take it to the bank. Now, these other people, you know, they're kind of flaky. You know, some of those surveys are just wacky. Well, there's, but, a, there's a lot of good research out there. Okay. Ross right. Rubin, we're continuing our discussion about the platforms and the problems. We have Windows Phone 8 coming up. We have the Surface, which kind of looks to me like not what you consider a tablet in the sense of an iPad or an Android tablet. It looks like a tiny PC, the way they've got it configured. Is that the way it strikes you? Well, there's there's two of them, of course. There's the Intel-based one, the uh, Windows RT-based one, which is a little thinner and a little lighter. Absolutely, you know that that you say that I, I think really speaks to one of the challenges that Microsoft is facing, and part of the reason why they brought Surface to market is because people are not associating Windows with tablets today. Windows has been on quote tablets, you know, ta- tablet PCs for for a decade. Sure, uh, but, but we think of Windows as running on clamshells and 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 desktop PCs, and uh, in in coming out with their own branded tablet, albeit one that, that comes branded with a detachable uh, keyboard, you know, Microsoft is, is really trying to educate the market, saying, think of Windows as, as a tablet PC. And, and yes, yes the but the key be- is here, the key is here, yeah. Ross, is that their vision of what a tablet is, is not the same as Apple's. Apple is setting the iPad and the Mac as separate products, even though the iOS features, some of them migrate to OS ten. They consider them separate products mm-hmm. that you deal with separately. But right. when you look at even the Windows 8 RT version of yes. the Surface, based on the pictures, with the keyboard out 
It's got a trackpad. It looks just like a tiny PC. They mean for you to interact with that product as if it was another PC. No, it's just a small just, PC on a small no, platform. That, that's just an option. You know, having the keyboard is just an option. They chose to bundle it, and and maybe that, you know, maybe bundling the keyboard and doing all those press shots with the keyboard sabotages their attempt to position it as a tablet. But you can take that thing right off, and it has competitive specs to uh, other tablets in the marketplace in terms of thinness, and you know, it, it should it should be competitive in terms of battery life too, assuming micro. Microsoft does a decent job on optimization now, particularly on RT, and I, and I do think there's a difference. You know, for for the time being, Microsoft is going to bundle a version of Office uh, that runs in quote desktop mode, which is why there's an even stronger case for a pointing device and a and a keyboard and, and and things like that. But I think eventually they will come out with a Metro version of Office. They they almost have to, and at that point, there's really no reason for them to include include the desktop on Windows RT, and it really will be closer to a, quote, pure iPad-like or Android-like experience. Now, in looking at what I read about the demonstration, I talked to somebody last week who was actually over there. Were you over there, by the way? I was not. Okay. Now, the thing that bothered me is that the reporters were given practically no opportunity to touch this thing. Like, someone wanted to try out the keyboard and right. type, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy yes. dog, and before he could finish his sentence, they grabbed the thing from him. <laughs> now, you know, okay, we understand that you're a few months away from alleged delivery, and I say alleged because we don't know. There are some questions I want to ask you about that. You're a few months away from when this thing is supposed to be out. You assume it's got to go into full production by late summer to make, say, an October or November shipping date. All right. So these prototypes ought to be pretty close to the final shipping version. So they're not good enough to let the reporters spend a little face time with it? What's going on? Well, you know, uh, they said that uh, the Intel-based version will be available at around the launch of Windows 8 and that RT would be available uh, three months after the launch of Windows RT. I thought the reverse, that the ARM version comes out first, then the Intel version. Okay, but that means, again, October. So uh, if you're going to commit this thing They haven't announced a date for either of those products, so... Sure, but if you want to get... Windows 8 to be in the PCs ready for sale for the holiday season. It's got to be yep. out like October, early November at the yeah, latest. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be out in the fall. Okay, we assume that is based on the current public beta seems right. to be in a pretty final stage. Okay, we understand that. All right, therefore, the hardware, you have this Windows RT tablet. Right. It's got to ship with that. It's got to go into production. It's got to have a ramp up of some sort. Right. So they're right. building them for a couple of three months before the things get on sale, yeah. even a yeah. month or two, whatever. So what you see now at the end of June has got to be pretty close to the final version. Again, why was this withheld from the press? It's like an almost semi-functional sample. Hard for me to say. I mean, there, there have been lots of prototype Windows 8 devices. Many were shown at Computex. They've let people get hands-on you know, with uh, tablets that they distributed at Build. You know, is, is the experience really going to be that much different than using Windows 8 on other tablets? I mean, if the issue is... We don't know, but why can't the press have the opportunity to check it? You have to look at this, for example. Look, as soon as someone touches the thing and tries to use it, they yes. grab it out of your hand. Yes. Now... We understand it's not going to be perfect. People do, you know, companies do PR on their own timetable. They they want to reveal different things at different times. I mean, look look at how Microsoft is is um, 
handling these Windows 8 feature blog. Every couple of weeks, there's this epic blog post, you know, that goes on for 1,500 words, you know, about some some feature of Windows 8. It's uh, it's definitely a slow reveal, and they're looking to, you know, I mean, the way they they manage this media event out in LA with the short notice and the you know Apple-like air of mystery is uh, you know is also uh, different from their their mo. So yeah, but I think they went overboard by not announcing where it was going to be in LA until the day of. I thought that was preposterous. But even then, when Apple had the rollout of the yes. original iPad. The media can play with it a little bit. You know, maybe right. not to do a full review, but you got it for five, ten minutes. You can test it. You can see that it works. That's not following the Apple playbook. It's like exaggerating well, it. Perhaps. I, I think what the bottom line comes down to is, does Microsoft, did Microsoft's reluctance to allow uh, media to get hands-on with the Surface imply that it's either an unsatisfying experience or that they're behind production. And I don't necessarily, it means either of those things. Well, there was one person who did try it and they said that the touch interface lagged a lot. Okay. It wasn't very snappy. So there could be some optimization maybe, no, maybe for the they, OS. Well, I was about to say, you know, maybe they just haven't gone around to optimizing that yet. And the other thing is here, some are suggesting also, as much as Microsoft may actually produce this, they're also warning they're OEMs. You know what? You better come up with some more compelling ideas than double-sided screens on your tablets or removable screens and other dumb things and come up with something that's reasonable, forward-looking. Otherwise, we'll get in there for you. Well, dumb is, of course, subjective. You know, so some people I might don't know. Consider, well, I'm thinking no. about all the crazy ideas for tablets they've tried for 10 years and they haven't worked. Right. Well, what about and something like so, the Len- Lenovo Yoga, you know, with, with a screen? Is that what that you do with your sitting in the lotus position to use folds, it? What? Folds around, yes. Uh, and others as well, it works. <laughs> I read about some of those things. We had somebody who actually went to Asia okay. to look at some of those things on the show just a few weeks back. And you know what? I don't know. It sounded pretty crazy to me, but maybe that's what Microsoft's telling them. We have Ross Rubin, who's telling us he's from the NPD group, and we believe him. This <laughs> is the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? 
Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker how's your ph today Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. So you don't want to carry a gun, but you do want to ensure your personal safety. Then empower yourself legally with self-defense products from StunGunMikes.com. Stun guns come in more shapes than just what you see on TV. Now you can get a powerful mini stun gun that fits in the palm of your hand, a stun baton, or a cell phone or lipstick stun gun. StunGunMikes.com also carries real spy gear like bug and metal detectors and discreet car and home security cameras that hide in almost any type of everyday object, from alarm clocks to pens. Now you can see how your babysitter really treats your children. Go to StunGunMikes.com, spelled just like it sounds. StunGunMikes.com Buy real spy gear from StunGunMikes.com just like the exact same spy gear sold to the government, military, corporate security, law enforcement, and private detectives. Empower yourself with self-defense products now from StunGunMikes.com What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're exploring mobile platforms, what's going to happen. We've covered so far research in motions, problems, a little bit about Android, a little bit about the service. We have Windows Phone 8, which we know now, of course, Existing hardware with Windows Phone 7.5 will get like a modest interim update, but that's it. Now, the emphasis for Windows Phone 8 is very much hardware, support of multi-core processors, better graphics chips. Thus, higher resolutions. Higher resolutions, still not Retina, but okay, higher resolutions. They're trying to make it better. What about multitasking? Are they going to make the multitasking better? Because the multitasking on Windows Phone 7.5 is like the iPhone three years ago. 
<laughs> uh, well, you know, my, my understanding is that they will be supporting tr- what they call true multitasking on, on Windows Phone 8. So, you know, the, the trade-off has been, or one of the trade-offs has traditionally been uh, to go with some fancy background task processing as Apple and uh, and Windows Phone up till now uh, have been doing or go, you know, full-blown multitasking as uh, the playbook can do, as Android uh, can do. And, you know, the trade-off there is generally uh, lower battery life, uh, perhaps some security risks. Uh, so it, it seems that uh, Microsoft began following the Apple path and has decided to no longer follow uh, that path. Uh, or, you know, perhaps another way to think about it is uh, just their evolving, you know, continuing to evolve the, the multitasking from, from nothing originally to uh, background app switching uh, to, uh, to true multitasking. And, you know, that, that can um, uh, enable... Uh, some worthwhile functionality, uh, uh, things, uh, events that are triggered by uh, your being in certain areas or um, one of my favorites, um, uh, with, there's been an app on the BlackBerry that's been able to do this for many years, uh, but it's still not integrated into Android or iOS. Read your email in the background as you're driving with a um, text-to-speech Engine, so that would be another example of uh, of the benefits of true multitasking. Well, you know what? I don't know if I really want that. I don't want somebody reading my email because what happens then is you want to say to the voice recognition assistant, "Take a letter in response," and you got to sit there and figure out a letter while you're driving. So I don't know if I want that. Um, but Siri allows you to do it with SMS today to sure send a do. text via SMS. So. Yeah, take a letter to Ross. <laughs> Take a letter to Ross. Okay, uh-huh. so Windows Phone, right now, it's a distant third. Yes. Is this going to make a difference? Or once again, we have the new version of Android coming up in July. We have the new iOS coming up in September, October. So as Microsoft advances, everyone else is. So do we have the same problem? Hardware support is important. You know, uh, it's important on both ends of the spectrum. It's important for supporting the latest and greatest uh, in, in order to... Uh, uh, be competitive at the top end of the market, and it's uh, it's important at the, at the very low end of the market too to be able to support inexpensive components, particularly for a company like Nokia, uh, again, which has um, uh, focused so much on developing economies and and wants to uh, drive down uh, the cost of smartphones. It's also important for Microsoft in terms of competing with Android, which has a very good hardware support particularly on the low end uh, at, at this point in time. So uh, it's sort of the, you know, the race to, to pick up where Symbian left off. You know, there were a huge number of low-end Symbian devices out there. Uh, you know, that, those markets are now up for grabs uh, for both uh, Android uh, and Windows Phone. So is that what's going on here, that Google and Microsoft are seeding the middle or higher end of the market to Apple? And grabbing the lower end where Apple probably won't play. Well, I, I don't think they're necessarily seeding the the you know middle to high end. I mean, we've seen a lot of high end Android uh, phones. Uh, I'm such thinking as the, more about Windows Phone. I'm thinking about what Google announced this week about their tablet. 
the tab the tablet is a little bit of a different economy, but I, I would think of something like the Galaxy S three, you know, which is a very powerful uh, device uh, that that runs Android. So there's there's a lot happening at, at the high end with with Android. But but remember, you know, particularly for Google, uh, their their ultimate revenue stream is advertising, uh, which is a game of audience aggregation, and the more people they can get on that platform, uh, the larger their advertising base will be. Google I/O this week. You attended some of it, at least. I, I dropped in, but but not from a blimp. Oh, okay. We didn't have one of those superheroes from the TV show chasing UFOs kind of bust you over in a flying no, saucer. No, I didn't. I didn't skydive down to uh, the roof of Moscone. And you didn't bungee jump. I didn't bungee jump. No. You know, back east when they had MacWorld Expo back east in Boston. One in year Boston, were, yes, I remember that. They were bungee, bungee jumping. jumping, and they said, "Gene, why don't you do that?" And I said. Are you crazy? Was that a Power Computing that sponsored that? Or? Power Computing. Okay. Yeah. Ladies right. and gentlemen, I know this is inside <laughs> baseball, and you have no idea what we're talking about, Ross and I. <laughs> Sorry. Back in the 1990s. It's okay. <laughs> back in the 1990s, Apple, for a brief period of time before Steve Jobs came back to the company, decided to license the Mac OS and hardware to certain companies, of which Power Computing was one of these very aggressive companies that actually was out doing Apple with anything. And as part of their promotion, they had this bungee jump thing going on at the Macworld Expo in Boston. Now, I went there, I watched people do that, and I said to them, you know, you're nuts, because what <laughs> happens if you crush your skull? You know, but if you want to do that, fine. Ross, did you do that? Oh, I, I most certainly did not. You are telling us the truth here. That <laughs> what we hear now from you is not the result. <laughs> they would have said that of me for doing this paranormal radio show. But let's look at Google I.O. They introduce the Nexus 7. Now, I heard a quote from Andy Rubin, who's the head of the Android division, and saying no that they designed this thing in four months, which tells me they threw it together. Because it's <laughs> not like it's original parts or anything. It's normal products for a 7-inch tablet. Normal well, components. Can. Yeah, sure. You have uh, you know Jelly Bean, which was an you know an iteration over Ice Cream Sandwich, a point one release, some nice new features. But I'm you know. thinking in terms of the hardware. But yeah, well, even the hardware. Version. You know, Asus uh, had been working on a, a seven inch tablet for some time. They they announced it at CES, and I think. 2011, called the uh, the Mimo. So is it uh, possible here that Ruben calls up the guys at Asus and says, "Hey, folks, we need a new Nexus tablet. What do you got for us?" Oh, we're working on this thing. Can we adapt it for your needs? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if that was the sequence, but you know, clearly there have been a lot of Android companies uh, that have come out with seven-inch tablets. So uh, Google, and they've gone nowhere except oh, for the Kindle, Kindle Fire. Fire. But yes. the Kindle Fire from Amazon, it was not built to make a profit. It was like the Gillette Razor and the Printer Syndrome, where you sell the thing for about what it costs and you expect the content that you buy right to pay the bill. So here. Google has Google Play, and I guess they're hoping with a $199 tablet that when you get this thing, you'll buy apps, you'll download movies and TV shows. You will basically cover the difference. They're shipping it at cost, supposedly, or close to cost, and the profits will come from the content. But if people don't buy the content, they lose money. Right, and and similarly, we see very strong featuring of the Google Play uh, store uh, on the Nexus 7, much as Amazon's fingerprints are all over uh, the Kindle Fire. So, you know, is 
Google losing money on this, I couldn't say. It's a, you know, compared to the Kindle Fire, it's a, it's you know, it's got significantly better specifications. Of course, some time has also gone by uh, since the initial release of the Kindle Fire, and of course, uh, cost of components come down. Uh, but um, uh, you know, clearly, um, Google is taking a page out of Amazon's. Uh, book, uh, electronic book here, uh, by, um, uh, you see what I did there, uh, by, uh, by integrating the store. Uh, and, and featuring the store. Now, they didn't, uh, of course, do nearly the kind of customization uh, that um, that Amazon did to Android. Because of course, part with of the, the Amazon Nexus- Kindle Fire, you barely know it's Android. We have Ross exactly. Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Attention business owners and individuals who owe the IRS. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? You need aggressive representation. Call Certified Tax now and speak to one of our tax attorneys, enrolled agents, or tax professionals who specialize in tax liens, back taxes, tax debt, wage garnishment, and collections. We won't waste your time. Instead, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. And you can become a client right now. We've settled millions of dollars in tax issues for a fraction of the cost. Find the 
peace of mind knowing the IRS will not be knocking at your door. Protect your home, business, and family today. We know the tax laws, and we act fast. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. 1-800-685-9751. Remember, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. That's guaranteed. Call Certified Tax at 800-685-9751. That's 800-685-9751. Again, 800-685-9751. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group for one more segment. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. And we're into the Google I.O. discussion. We'll have Mr. Pilch from Laptop Magazine a little bit later, and he'll continue that discussion because he was there for the entire thing. Okay, so Google is going to give interface that's more focused on Google Play for the Nexus 7. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a nominal customization. What sure. they've done is they just took advantage of Android's widget architecture to create some big widgets <laughs> that that feature various uh, kinds of media. Okay, yeah, so if you, if you delete those widgets, then it looks like any other Android tablet. Okay, but the intention here, of course, is to make it a content-based device. Yes. Now, other than the Kindle Fire, the 7-inch tablets haven't done so well. Uh, that's correct. I mean, Android tablets in, in general, uh, you know, uh, tablets of really any other size uh, haven't, haven't done very well uh, versus the iPad. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, in, in general, the 7-inch tablet generally allows companies to hit a price point that's uh, further off the radar screen of, of an iPad buyer. So, you know, when uh, we started to see many of these 10-inch tablets come out in their second revisions or as they had been in the market for a while, they started escape, trying to escape to this $349, $399 price point. And then Apple kept the iPad 2 in the market, uh, and it remained uh, very tough for them competitively. But going down to $250, like the Nook tablet, or $200, like the Kindle Fire, it's a, it's a bit of a different proposition. But you know, the proposition it, depends on you buying content, because if you don't buy the content, it's not worthwhile. Well, you know, except we've, we've also saw Lenovo, you know, at a, a 7-inch Android tablet that was around 200 or 250 So, you know, you, that doesn't have to be the proposition. You know, we've seen other companies do seven-inch tablets, and it's really more focused on reading, on video, uh, than it is, say, you know, productivity apps or or, or web a good web experience. Like so they're trying to carve tablet. out a space for themselves 
beyond what the iPad does as a general purpose tablet, hoping to get a decent share of the market. Now, yeah, do you think there's any substance to these stories we're hearing last few months that Apple has a 7.875, what a strange screen size, <laughs> <laughs> iPad mini or whatever in the pipeline? Because if they did, it's going to be, what, 249 299 Suddenly they undercut the market for all these other products. Right. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I'd be. I'm still skeptical that they would do it, uh, based on previous comments regarding seven-inch tablets. But well, you know, like sandpapering your fingers. So the question is yes. here: If I'm using an Exus Seven, do I have to buy the sandpaper first? <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> but but there is a twenty-five dollar credit that it comes with to buy other goodies from the Google Play Store. So if the Google Play Store has sandpaper. Or at least digital. Or an introductory package. You know, it's like Apple used to give you these little tiny screen cleaners with the iPads and the iPhones and everything. So I even got one with my 27-inch iMac. (laughs) So what they'll do, of course, is they'll give you a sampling of sandpaper for your fingers with the Nexus 7. The Nexus Q. Now, a couple of interesting things about the Nexus Q. It's $299. Looks to be like a successor to Google TV. They consider it a competitor to the $99 Apple TV. So the question is here, what do you have for $200 more? Well, the first is kind of a political issue. It's made in the USA. Mm -hmm. Is that going to count for much? I don't think so. Okay, so that doesn't make it. (laughs) Now it has a 25-watt amplifier. I think that's ridiculous because if you want external speakers from your TV, you can buy powered speakers. Who cares about well, the 25-watt amplifier? I don't I, understand that. I think, well, you know, this is in some ways more of an audio device than at least many of the Google TV boxes are. Uh, I, you know, I, th- I think Q really stands for quandary uh, at this point. Um, uh, yes, the quandary yeah. is that if I can get an Apple TV, and more and more people are buying them, I get an Apple TV for yeah. $99. Right. And supposedly the last report we heard from Tim Hook, sales have doubled. Which it means yeah. nothing in Apple's ecosystem, of course. But, you know, okay, so they sell, what, three, four million instead of three, four million a year, they'll sell it in right. six months. And right. maybe for the fall season, they'll sell another 10 million. So it's getting up there. For $99, it is a very casual purchase. And it's pretty easy to use. It's also now, kind of really just an AirPlay adapter for, for many people. So. Yes, it is. It's AirPlay, but also people do rent movies on it. I do. I mm-hmm. set up my Apple TV and I have the choice. If I want to watch a movie, whether I can get it from DirecTV or get it from my Apple TV. Right. And I can get the high-definition version 1080p from Apple TV for $4.99. From DirecTV is $5.99. So where do I go? There's your answer. The question is here, for $2.99, that requires a little more thought. And I think maybe Google threw too much into this. That's why the word quandary kind of suits for me. It's it's early, you know. I mean, right now the capabilities uh, certainly are not in line with the price. Uh, I think Google, you know, basically there's a Nexus phone uh, as the internals of of that device. It's a pretty powerful platform. Google's not exposing uh, the platform's power really at this point. Uh, if they come out for an API for it. It, it might be interesting to see what people do with it. But for right now, there are just many options on the market, uh, many, some of which use Google TV uh, that are a, a better value. Speaking of Google TV, Logitech didn't do so well with that. They At, at a product that debuted at $299. Right. So <laughs> I just don't see it. I can see where the Nexus 7 
is a worthy competitor to the Kindle Fire. But tell me if I'm wrong. After the first of the year, after doing pretty well over the holidays, Kindle Fire sales really went down the dumps. No, there we, we've seen reports um, on on shipments of Kindle Fire, and I'd uh, encourage you or or listeners to uh, go to npdgroupblog.com and and read a piece that my colleague Steve Baker uh, wrote about shipments versus sales. Uh, so the the Kindle Fire is still doing okay. Uh, now, by the way, Steve Baker has been a guest on the show. He's a really oh, cool guy. Great, we like him. <laughs> uh, and you know, so, it's funny. He has this voice, and he's loud. You know, it's got a voice who sound he sounds like an actor who is also a rustler who is a governor. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's a presence. He has a voice with a similar texture okay. to that other guy. <laughs> I'm talking about. Well, in in any case, you know, the the Kindle Fire is doing doing fine. Okay, so the yeah. statement that maybe not doing so fine, that's not true. We don't think so. What I'm talking about, by the way, is Jesse Ventura. Listen to Jesse Ventura's voice. Listen to Stephen Baker. Now, Jesse Ventura, in a fair fight, may, you know, (laughs) may basically beat Uh, As as much as I like Steve, I'm going to have to put my money on on the body for that one. Okay, right. The body will do it. But Stephen Baker probably is more knowledgeable, a lot more things. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but seriously speaking, okay, the Kindle Fire is doing okay. But now, will that take sales away from the Kindle Fire, the Nexus 7, or is Google trying to climb a mountain that they don't even have the footing for? I mean, you know, the, one of the real advantages that the Kindle Fire has is distribution. Uh, you know, there's still this strong reading association with it. Uh, Amazon has some innovative services that they offer uh, as part of their Amazon Prime uh, annual subscription uh, that... Uh, uh, increase the value proposition of the Kindle Fire. You know, being able to watch certain movies and TV shows for free, or or uh, borrow or you know rent, if you will, library style uh, certain books, including the Harry Potter series, for free uh, if you're a, if you're a Prime subscriber. So, by the way, I do have a book now on Kindle, the first volume of our science fiction novel, Attack of the Rockwoods. End of plug. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. But uh, by the way, to get all the key promotion, we had to agree for 90 days not to distribute any versions of the book anywhere else in terms of electronic books. Okay. So it's kind of tied us in. We don't know if that's going to work. We'll have to see. Right. Uh, So, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Google does not uh, uh, have those programs rolled out for now. They do have a greater app selection in the Google Play Store. So, uh, and uh, here's an interesting angle: uh, the Nexus Seven may uh, may be more attractive uh, option to certain retailers that compete uh, with Amazon uh, and don't like the idea of selling a device that uh, increases a a customer's or has the potential to increase. Uh, uh, customers' uh, loyalty to Amazon for categories far beyond uh, books and other media. Yes, we understand what those items are because I don't think there's very much that Amazon doesn't sell. That's right. I mean, I've bought pants from Amazon. My wife's bought earrings from Amazon. There you go. (laughs) Ross Rubin, where do we find more of the goodies that you write about? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter um, at uh, at sign R-O-S-S-R-U-B-I-N. There you go. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. Thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Uh, My pleasure as always, Gene.
and our friend Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine coming up next. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. At the airport, Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. He's coming home from San Francisco to the Big Apple from the Google I.O. conference. So that you have to wait like three hours in the security line and they had you do a strip down or send you to the radiation counter to check out? Oh, they wanted to see my Nexus 7. They wanted to see my new tablet. Oh, yeah. I I have one in my bag right now. Okay, that's better than the Surface where they let you see it for three seconds and grabbed it out of your hand. Oh, yeah, this was a big part of my trip was uh, they gave one to everyone, including all the attendees, all 6,000 attendees, all the journalists, although us journalists had to sign a sheet saying that we'll give it back eventually. Beyond that, they gave us that. I mean, you could really profit going to Google I.O. Just a message for your audience. Even if you're not a developer, next year pay the $900 to get in. And if you're a student, pay the $300 student rate to get in because you will get free gifts in excess of the money you spent. Well, I can't guarantee it, but they certainly did this year. Yeah, but of course the Nexus 7 costs $200. You paid $900. So that's $700 deficit. Did you get a queue? 
but we got a queue also, and that was $300. Okay, so it's and getting better. So now you're down to, what, $400 left. Then we got a Samsung Galaxy Nexus uh, phone, an unlocked phone. That's oh. worth four or 500 all by itself. You broke even. Well, I didn't have to pay, but yeah. And wait, there's more. The second day, people also got a Chrome box to attach to their television sets so that they can you know, use the Google Chrome OS on their TV. Whether you'd want to do that or not is an open question, but they got a Chrome box as well. So basically, you bribed everybody there. They take $900 from you, give you lots of free stuff, although as a journalist, you say you will eventually have to return that gear. Are they going to send you a letter or send Andy Rubin to your home to say, Avram, okay, bring it back? Or just somebody with a burnt nose or something? Well, you know, I'm part of a big company, and you know, we take these things to lab because it's it's not right to take swag like this. But this uh, Nexus 7 that, that I got, uh, I would certainly consider purchasing it for myself. It is It is a really nice device. Okay, so let's look at what's going on here. The Nexus 7. Does the Nexus 7 do anything original other than being something that is being sold for about the price it costs to build kind of like the Kindle Fire? Well, it's a lot better than the Kindle Fire because it's much more powerful. It's got a really awesome Jelly Bean operating system, which has some neat new features in it. And it's got that quad-core processor, so it's fast enough to play really high-end games. Oh, and a higher resolution screen than the Fire. Okay, now the Kindle Fire was using Android 2.2, which is what, about 2010 or something like that? With their skin on top of it, so it wasn't really an Android experience at all. Now, one of the key things, and we'll get into more of this in a moment, with Jelly Bean, what Google wants to do is make the touch interface more responsive. This is something where they fell behind Apple. So did they succeed? It definitely was more responsive. Now... They also succeeded by putting a quad-core Tegra 3 processor in it, so that certainly helped. You have something with 12 GPUs in it and four CPU cores. That's going to help your performance immensely. So it's brute force. Uh, it is that, but they claim that this operating system will be faster even on the same hardware, which is something that I'll try to test when I get back because that Nexus phone that we got, obviously, we've run Ice Cream Sandwich on it. So you can see the version you know, between Android 4 and Android 4.1. You'll be able to see the benefits. It certainly was very smooth on this tablet, that's for sure. All right. Let's take a look more at the Nexus 7. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I read this somewhere. Andy Rubin, who's the head of the Android division for Google, I don't know his official title, but that's basically where it goes. He said that they built this thing from nothing to a finished product in four months. Is that correct? I doubt it. Because... When I look at the back of this, it actually has... It's made by Asus, first of all. And when I look at the back of this, it actually has the model number, we believe, is the same model number as the Asus Memo tablet that has been shown previously. So a lot of people, a lot of my fellow journalists at the conference were saying that they believe that Google just worked with Asus and kind of said, hey, we like this Memo thing, and we're going to put our operating system on it. Okay, so the four months is... This is the four months it took from taking an existing product being developed by Asus and making it the Nexus 7. I mean, that's, that's the rumor. It's not official. But yes, okay. I, I could believe that. It kind of reminds me of what Microsoft did with the original Zune, where they took a Toshiba player and modified it into the Zune. Regardless of the origin, obviously you're saying it's a pretty fast tablet, performs very well compared to the Kindle Fire. Now, the Kindle Fire, I'm hearing contradictory reports, sold well for the holiday season, not so well after the holidays, although Ross Rubin of the NPD group, your predecessor on the show today, suggested that 
the Kindle Fire is still doing fairly well. You know, I'm not privy to the numbers that he's privy to. I can believe it because that thing is really sold like hotcakes. And if you look at the percentages of internet traffic, there's a nice little chunk for the Kindle Fire. So people are very happy to buy things from Amazon. Amazon has a great distribution model. I think Google will run into some issues because they will really need to have somebody else distributing the Nexus 7 if they want it to be a hot seller. I'm not sure if a lot of people, a lot of mom and pop people are going to log on to Google Play Store to buy a piece of hardware. Now, that's the whole thing here. We're all used to buying things at Amazon. Been doing it for years. So you buy the Kindle Fire. It's a front-end Amazon content. You're comfortable with that. You know Amazon. You're familiar with what they do. I even have an e-book on Amazon right now, as a matter of fact. So we're comfortable with how they make things. So now Google is selling you what otherwise is a normal state-of-the-art 7-inch tablet with the choice of going into Google Play. But Google has to depend on that because, according to the published reports, what it costs them to build this product, or ASUS to build the product, the only way they make a real profit is to sell you stuff. Well, it definitely is Google's Kindle Fire in that they're clearly looking to push Google Play content and the Google Play Store. The thing is just loaded with widgets for Google Play. It has a, comes with a free Transformers movie. comes with $25 Google Play credit. It's very clear they're trying to use this as a gateway drug to Google Play. But the particular issue here is will customers adopt Google Play? There's no history. This is something which doesn't have much of a history. It's basically a rebranding of their existing app store with movies and TVs, right? Yeah, that is an open question. And so far, our experience in it is it's, it's not the best store out there. Certainly the magazine uh, section, which they just launched, the performance of it is the only thing that performed terrible on this Nexus is that the magazines were just awful. It definitely, I think, needs some work. And, you know, they've announced that they're getting some TV shows, but they don't have the breadth and depth of Amazon. So I'm not really sure how they're going to build this up, but it's going to have to be based on content. Google is going to have to do something that they're not particularly adept at, which is not necessarily become a content company, but become more conversant with what the good content is, make deals with movie studios, be a little bit more savvy when it comes to the entertainment market, kind of like Apple. Google has to become Apple. In, in a way, yes. Now, that's interesting because up till now, Google makes most of its money from targeted ad clicks at Ring the Cash Register. Now they expect you to ring the cash register directly to buy this product and, like the printer, like the razors, buy the content to help them make a profit. Now, do we see this possibly going exactly where all the other 7-inch tablets other than the Kindle Fire have gone, which is basically nowhere? I mean, are people going to be lining up for a Nexus 7? I'm not sure if Google wants them to line up for a Nexus 7. It's really unclear whether their strategy here is we're going to try and do what Microsoft is doing and what they've done in the past with the Nexus 1 and just kind of prime the pump for other manufacturers to step up their game, look at what we've done, now do better. Or are they actually trying to become a serious hardware vendor? Now, when you saw, when you saw what happened with the Nexus phone series, the first Nexus 1 phone was not branded by H, with HTC's name on it, even though we all knew that HTC made it. It was very popular among geeks and developers and all of that, but you, could buy, but you didn't really buy it at the store much. It didn't sell well, and everybody said Google's model of coming out their own phones is dead. Then you look at the next two Nexus phones that came out, the Samsung 
uh, Galaxy Nexus, and um, you know this, they were both a Samsung uh, Nexus S. And you look at those, and those were very heavily branded Samsung. Samsung went to the carriers and distributed it. Okay, so, so basically there, it was like a premium version of something from these key makers. We have a premium version of Avram Pilch in San Francisco, reporting live sort of more or less on the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker attention information in this one minute message could save your life 
Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Avram Pilch waiting at the airport after, you know, they fed the radiation through his brain. When they Indeed. do it, you know. Yeah, I had the full body scan. You did? I did. Did it, did it feel good? Oh, yeah. I feel totally cleaned out. I feel like I had a... A cleansing. A cleansing. Your soul was cleansed. This is San Francisco, so we understand your soul was cleansed. This is after being exposed to all the hype and everything from Google with the Nexus 7. Okay, so the Nexus 7 is going to be out in July. It's going to cost $199 for $50 more. You get a 16-gigabyte version. But for $150 more than that, you get an iPad 2. And for $100 more, you get a rebuilt or a reconditioned or a refurbished iPad 2. So are they getting a little too close to Apple there? Well, I think there's a desire for this 7-inch form factor. So I think if they push the Nexus 7 as something that is that is more portable, and if they push the digital assistant portion of this, you know, the Nexus 7 could, uh, with a little bit of evolution here, be a digital assistant uh, along the lines of Siri. It has that kind of functionality in Jellybean. And we'll have to get into Jellybean, how it works. But all right, so we have the Nexus 7, and we'll have to see what happens. But let's just move parenthetically back to Apple. We've still got the rumors that Apple, this September or October, will introduce a 7.875-inch tablet. Don't start with me on the form factor, okay? Because that's okay. A kind of a crazy size, but whatever. Do you think Apple is going to want to do that, or are they going to watch the sales of the Nexus 7? And this is something they can drop into the market fairly quickly. It's ready to go. Well, you know, they might want to do that. I think that they've known for a while that they want to be a premium brand, but at the same time, maybe that's the next evolution of the iPod Touch. Maybe they want to take it up a notch and basically make the iPod Touch 7 inches and call it a 7-inch iPad. I or think- they might take the iPad Touch and call it the iPad Touch Pro and keep away from the iPad brand name and keep it an iPod. Exactly. So I think you're, you're right to, to point out that it's going to come down to the ecosystem for a lot of people. Google is very much wanting to build up its ecosystem. Apple has a great advantage there in terms of, if not uh, all of its apps, it's certainly its entertainment selection and the amount of people who are actually on iTunes is much greater than the amount of people using Google Play by huge orders of magnitude. But do you see here people buying this $199 product, whether they go for the Nexus 7 or the Amazon Kindle Fire, are they putting the iPad even in their sites or are they regard it as something totally different, different product category to them, and it's not there? Or they get both? I, th- 
I think it's like the people who buy the Kindle the uh, Kindle e-ink and also have an iPad. I think they see it as a different kind of device. I think for e-reading, if the magazine app on this worked properly or if you just download the Nook or Kindle app onto your Nexus 7, you will see that this is actually a really good device for, e- for e-reading or for content consumption when you're doing something like you're on a plane like I'm about to get on. I'm kind of hoping to download some cool stuff because um, when I get on the plane, then I'll be able to to watch it. And it's much easier to have the 7-inch form factor than it is to uh, carry a a heavy 10-incher. Now, that's a good question. Right now, talking to you on Skype, what are you using? What device? Well, right now I'm using my notebook, which is a ThinkPad. Okay. So you're not taking a chance with the Nexus 7 yet? You know, I did ch- I did chance it with Google Talk uh, as part of my testing. And Google Talk, and in my experience, Skype on Android, have been absolutely horrible and unusable. FaceTime is great. that's a plot by Microsoft because Microsoft owns Skype now. It must be it. Well, Google Talk is not a plot by Microsoft. Google Talk video chat, as far as I have seen in my experience on these tablets, has been garbage. It is, no matter how good your internet connection is, it's jerky and terrible. I don't understand why they can't get it right. Well, again, you know, we have to discuss that. Okay, so we look at the Nexus 7. It's got the new operating system, Jelly Bean, version 4.1 of Android. And because it's a minor point release, does that mean that the number of changes from Ice Cream Sandwich 4.0 is not that great? Well, you know, it, it, they're right to only make it a point one change because if you look at the UI, it looks almost exactly the same with a couple of small tweaks. But the thing, uh, I think the main thing that's important in it is the search, which we should get to. But the main UI changes are they move the notification drawer, which used to be in the lower right corner of the screen, to the top of the screen. And when you get a notification and you pull it down, you have the ability to expand or swipe away your notifications. So there's a little bit better notification system. And also the, the way widgets are done on the desktop, it, they kind of move around better when you drag one, which is not a big deal. And so, you know, there's not a huge amount of improvements to the UI. If you didn't know better and you looked at this next to an ice cream sandwich tablet, you really wouldn't be able to tell the difference. One of the improvements that Google has made, supposedly, is to the touch responsiveness. Now, obviously, you have more powerful hardware here on the Nexus 7. But do you see the responsiveness being better? Is what Google claims true? It does seem pretty responsive, but it, I wouldn't say it's perfect. I definitely had some moments there, but uh, where it was, you know, where I touched something, and it wasn't quite as quick as I would have wanted. But it, it, for the most part, yes, it's been it's been more responsive than other Android devices that I've used. And uh, another interesting little factoid about the performance that is not something that people ever tout for Android devices: it actually boots up from uh, power off much more quickly than any other Android device I've ever used, under 30 seconds. How does that compare with the iPad? Hmm, I haven't really tested much on the iPad to see because generally that doesn't matter much, right? People are, are going to keep their tablet on all the time and just plug it into charge, just like they do with their phone. On a rare occasion, I think, on any of these things, things get a little bit unstable, a little bit unusually flaky or unstable, so you reboot. But very rarely, you know, very rarely. Okay, so it seems better, but there's not a lot of above-the-surface features to talk about here. I think the main new feature is the search and the Google Now feature, which are, and, and of course, the the voice recognition. Those are the features that 
people will notice pretty quickly if they once they start delving into the operating system. Okay, it's not like the iOS 6 where Apple touts over 200 features. Definitely not. Okay, the key, of course, is did Google say anything about how many of the older products would be able to get this update? Because right now, with Ice Cream Sandwich, came out, what, last fall? So we're now looking at the operating system that's going to come out. Okay, so let's consider this now. Ice Cream Sandwich came out, what, the fall of 2011? We now have a new version of the operating system coming out, I guess, in July. And we have to look at the fact that with Ice Cream Sandwich, the number of products that have upgraded is less than 10%. Correct. And so if, if you have an Ice Cream Sandwich device today, or you have a gingerbread device today, or a honeycomb device today, I would not count on getting jelly on getting jelly bean. So that's a good argument for if you are considering getting an Android tablet, get this one because you know it's going to come with jelly bean. But there's no guarantee that jelly bean's successor will ever be available for it. I guess on a Nexus though, Google will provide the updates, right? Yeah, they've already said that they're going to provide an over the air update for the Samsung Galaxy Nexus phones. So if you own one of those, you will be getting jelly bean hopefully in the next month or two fingers crossed but if you got a droid forget about it oh yes Yes. okay we have abram pilch of laptop magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n Great Talk Radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Waiting for the airplane, and he's not going to talk to us from the airplane. They don't let them do things like that. So he's going to leave if they call him for the plane, but you've got a while for the flight, so we're not going to worry about it. We were yep. talking about Google I.O. in San Francisco. Did you get a chance to do any of the local color, go to some great restaurants and stuff? Not, not really. I went to Mel's Diner, which is next to the Moscone Center, and had burgers there twice. Well, that's a pretty good place, by the way. Yeah, it is, it is good. I mean, it, it looks nice. I'm not, the burger was okay. I'm not sure why it's an institution in this town, but it was pretty good. It's not like the diners in New Jersey, though. Definitely not. It's Actually, I wouldn't say it's as good as the diner near my house in New York, but... You know, hey, it's just, this is San Francisco. They're not known for their diners. But they're known for great Chinese food. They're known for so many other things, so I guess we don't worry about it just because yeah. of that. All right, so we know about Mel's Diner. We've all been there, those of us who've gone to San Francisco for various things. Okay, let's now continue with Jelly Bean coming out this summer with the Nexus 7. Now, Jelly Bean on you know a few of the Android smartphones, that's where it goes. We now have the Google Nexus Q. And one of your predecessors on the show said Q stands for quandary. And I should tell you this, there already are preliminary reviews of this product. One of your rival magazines that will go unnamed because they're not here to defend themselves said Google Nexus Q hands-on the buggy streaming story. Oh, I, th- I think that's uh, one of my colleagues from PC World. I think I saw that one. 
Okay, did you get a chance to do anything with the queue or not? It's sitting in my suitcase right now. I did get to use one that was on display. I didn't get to set up the one they gave me yet because I didn't have a TV to attach it to. My impression of the queue is it seems like Google's G4 Cube. It's a very well-designed device that people like because of how it looks, but the practical reason for it just doesn't seem to be there. I, I haven't really seen the use case for this. Right now, it has two functions, so though supposedly you'll be able to write apps for it to make more. But for $300, I'd like it to do more than just stream Google Play movies and music from the cloud. Couldn't you do that with a much less expensive device and do it with more services like Netflix? Of course, we have a $99 Apple TV. Also, it has this built-in amplifier, a 25-watt amplifier. I don't understand that. Why, but why bother? If people really want an amplifier for their home entertainment system, they're going to get an amplifier of their own. I think the real key to this device is that it looks like some kind of magic sphere that you would buy at Spencer Gifts in the mall, and people are really impressed with the glowy light in the middle of the sphere. Yeah, but does Spencer Gifts sell super volume products? No, they're small volume products. Specialty right. products, high price products. And you think Google would want to get into the mass market. I don't understand the queue at all. Yeah, it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like it was someone's pet project that they thought was cool. And of course there are always people who are gonna ooh and ah over something that looks like this, particularly when they get one for free. But when you put this in front of a consumer and you say, hey, you want to spend $299 for this thing? They're going to run screaming uh, because they just have maybe with some new apps, maybe if they come up with some killer use case for it. But you know what the big use case is for it now? People who like to fight over the music playlist with their friends. Is that a big demographic? Oh, yeah, I can think about this. These people just fighting in the streets. You know, well, they're, they're hiring the expendables from that action movie, all the over-the-hill action heroes. They're hiring them to have this fight. I would actually pay to see Dolph Lundgren and Jason Statham uh, fight over their playlist. Because you know how this works. You have to have a Google tablet to use it. So there, once again, you're not going to be using this if you're an I- iOS user. You're already written off. Maybe they'll come out with an app. But at this point, they don't. You have to use the Google Play Music app or the Google Play Movies app to stream to it, and then everybody in the room who has an Android device can override what you've done and change the playlist. It's so, not something you can log in like with your Apple ID on your Apple TV. You can literally fight. You right. have three members of your family. This is a very strange situation, but we're thinking of somebody who has a lot of money. You buy three of these things, three members of the family, and you have two sons and a daughter, whatever. And they're fighting over the playlist, so you have three of them competing for your TV. Exactly. Why would somebody want that? And that's the touted feature. Look, it's social because different people can control it at once. Why do you need that? Is that a situation that comes up a lot, that people have parties and they want to all have their bring their tablets and try and fight each other for control of the playlist? It's You know, it's a new thing. It'll be called the Nexus Q Fight Club. They'll make a movie with Christian Bale. Exactly. It just it's just a very strange thing. And then what's the big deal? Oh, so once you actually have things playing on there, it shows you a light show. No big deal. Winamp has been doing that for about 20 years now on the as an application on the PC showing you a light show for when you uh play music. And then oh, and you can play movies on it too. Uh, it it just doesn't make a, a really compelling case. Okay, so the Nexus 7 sounds like a decent product. 
Jelly Bean sounds like a decent upgrade for the Android OS if you can get a copy. But the Q, it kind of detracts from the rest. You know, you have two possible winners or at least decent products, and you have one big loser. Doesn't that denigrate the impression that people get of Google? Eh, if not, if it becomes a boutique product. I mean, did Apple get ruined by coming out with the G4 Cube? Well, yeah, but, you know, that's another time and another place. That's 2001. I mean, they and certainly took their launch. This is just about the time before they had the iPod, before Apple had the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad. It was one product, and it didn't do well, and I bet it happened kicking and screaming. Steve Jobs canceled it. He steved it. Now, I have to tell you, when they had the rollout, this is a true story. When they had the rollout to Mac OS 10.0, March of 2001, over at Apple headquarters, and I sat behind Steve Jobs and Phil Schiller during the presentation. Okay, so Jobs gets up there with Phil Schiller, and they do kind of a Q&A with the press. And someone says, I hear you're going to discontinue the cube. And Steve Jobs says, you don't know what you're talking about. Which in Steve's language is, I don't want to kill it, but I will have to if I am forced to buy sales figures because they killed it a few weeks later. <laughs> also, the cracks in the plastic didn't help. No, but I wrote a review for CNET. And I think I said, I don't know if I said this in the original copy, whether it actually made it in the version that went online. I said, this product belongs in a museum. And I was basically uh, quoting or paraphrasing an Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones movie. You know, where... So the villain says, so do you, Dr. Jones. I'm not trying to do an imitation here, folks. So I'm just basically paraphrasing what went on in that movie because it's my favorite one because Sean Connery was basically upstaging Harrison Ford. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, we're going back to Google. Google I.O., the Q, eh, the Nexus 7, hmm, Jelly Bean, you're lucky if you get it. Now, the same thing, of course, is true with Windows Phone 8. If you are one of the people now who has seen those commercials on TV, all smartphones up to now have been beta phones. So get the Lumia 900 from Nokia with Windows Phone 7.5. Oh, by the way, coming this fall is Windows Phone 8. You can't upgrade, folks. You have a dead end. The beginning. So anyway, we see here with Windows Phone 7.5, the Nokia Lumia 900. You want to upgrade? It's not going to happen. You get some kind of tiny 7.8 upgrade. What do you think about that? Well, at least uh, Megan Landry is impressed with the curves. Just thank you, AT&T. Well, I, if you've seen the commercial where the guy's trying to impress his female coworker. She is impressed with the cur with the curves on the Lumia 900. I guess that makes it all worth it, right? Well, maybe she doesn't like the curves on her boyfriend. Well, you know, he, he shows a video where he's kayaking, and he says, Look, Colin has friends. He really has friends. Good for him. Uh, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, Microsoft's phone division is making a lot of friends by not providing an update. But they did say that they're going to provide this uh, new start screen to current phone users by upgrading them to something called Windows Phone 7.8. Right, big deal. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... 
The GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. 
Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. One more segment, but he might have to leave a few seconds early because he's going to have to board his plane for New York. Let's just continue. Okay, so Windows Phone 8.0, they're fixing this start screen a little bit. What else has changed? I mean, I think that's really the main thing that they're doing to the software that they're crawling about. I think we'll have to see how, how much better it handles multitasking. The hardware is a big change because they're going to now support dual-core processors uh, and, of course, higher-resolution screens. So we'll maybe see some phones that have a little bit better parity with what you uh, have seen on Android so far. I get the impression here they're sort of almost trying to catch up with the competition, but they're still not quite there. How does Microsoft get away with that, though? Because right now they're sitting there a distant third. Or maybe a distant fourth, because I guess BlackBerry has some sales, three or four left. So they're sitting there way down in the single digits in terms of their market share. And they come up with a new version of the operating system. It seems like a very modest improvement beyond the the under-the-hood changes. The rest doesn't seem like a lot. Well, you know, if they move totally away from their model, then they would be saying that their user interface and all that doesn't work. So they've made it more customizable, but you're right. I'm not really sure if this is going to get them where they need to go. What will get them where they need to go is having a nice selection of phones that have some parity with Android and having a nice selection of apps. So their big challenge is how do we get app developers to build the next great applications for us? Android has had uh, a lot of time to kind of work with with hardware and software developers. Obviously, Apple controls its whole ecosystem. Microsoft has said they're not going to come out with their own phone. And even in the case of the Surface tablet, that's just there to, quote-unquote, prime the pump. They're not trying to be the leader in Windows hardware. So I think that they have a challenge, but their answer to this challenge is that they think that people are going to be easily able to port applications from one to the other. So from Windows into Windows Phone. And so it'll be easier for developers to develop for both at once. It doesn't make sense to me because the resource requirements are totally different. So even if you do port it, you have to really pare it down in terms of feature set. You can't have the monolithic applications for smartphones. That sounds like half a solution. It it does. Uh, I guess we'll have to see what the reaction from the development community is on that part. I think we're all uh, going to have to wait and see what the reaction from the business and consumer community is to Windows 8, to the full Windows 8, as opposed to just Windows Phone 8. I think that is a big risk for Microsoft, as we've discussed uh, many times. And we have to look here at the people who buy the Nokia Lumia 900 now, knowing that except for one minor interface update, the OS they have on it at the beginning of a two-year contract is a dead end. Of course, same is true for Android smartphones. But Nokia is having an awful lot of trouble moving a lot of product. They're suffering. They're going to have to shed some employees. What do they do? And what about the other companies seeing that Nokia trying to make a big deal with Windows Phone as the premier or flagship maker isn't doing well? 
why would any other company in their right minds, unless they want to get rid of Android, want to consider Windows Phone? So, yeah, Nokia is in trouble. I think what the Windows Phone ecosystem needs is it needs more killer pieces of hardware. So the Lumia was nice, but it was only on one carrier. So they had the Lumia 7, 710, but that's on T-Mobile. There's not a great phone on Verizon. There's not a great phone on Sprint for Windows Phone. And those are the only choices that they have. Android has succeeded by offering a lot of choice. I don't think Windows Phone can succeed by just having a couple of decent phones. They have to have a flagship phone. They have to have something that blows away the competition. And what I see is the Lumia 900 seems to be an attractive phone, but it doesn't blow away the competition. And if you don't do that, why would anyone care it's Microsoft? Oh, it's Windows Phone 8 coming out, and it's going to have apps that can be ported directly from regular Windows 8. Who cares? Exactly. I think the I think the issue is that while the Lumia looks good, what are they saying to advertise it? We have tiles that are personalized on our desktop. It has a pretty curve and it's a nice shade of blue. The, those are the main talking points for the Lumia. It's not the camera. It's not faster than other things. It doesn't have better games. It doesn't have a higher resolution screen. It doesn't have some kind of killer new feature like Android Beam or, or, or something. Or There's just not uh, a lot of new features to talk about. It's really all about subjective things that are not necessarily any better than what you get on Android and, and not, or iOS. I also don't like the way they marketed that thing. Because what they did is we got word from a PR agency about some blogger who'd used the phone and he'd previously used Apple products. And, gee, he's available for an interview. That's like kind of a put-up job. It is. It is really, uh, really quite lame. So, I mean, I think the marketing, though, I think the marketing shows sort of the bankruptcy of the, the, the product. I mean, it's a nice product, but it doesn't, it doesn't have something that other products don't. Yes, it has live tiles, which is something that is part of the Windows Phone operating system. But there are all kinds of widget things for Android right now. I'm not sure that telling people that they can get a tile with social updates on it is the way to get people to switch to a new operating system that none of their friends and family has. I don't think the lack of updates is really the issue. I think the lack of osmosis is. In the past two weeks or so, both my wife and my mom have updated to new Android phones. And when I was looking into this, I thought, man, i got to get them to get a Samsung Galaxy Nexus because they're both on Verizon and I want them to have Ice Cream Sandwich. And I thought about this. They wanted the LG Lucid. They thought it was fine. And they're not upset at all. And they're not upset at all that they only have gingerbread. They don't care. It does what they want. It has the, the few apps that they use. It surfs the web. It's fast. You know, it has a decent camera for them. The battery life has been okay. Those are the things that they care about. So I think there are a lot of people out there who are not particularly geeky. And if they're happy with what it was that they bought, they're not going to be too upset about the fact that they're not getting updates. In fact, in some cases, they might be upset that they're getting updates if they were used to the, used to the interface. Now, of My- course, with Apple, iOS updates you expect every year. You expect there'll be a lot of features but most of the fundamental interface elements are present and accounted for, so it's not a freakout. Yeah, exactly. But if you go from gingerbread to ice cream sandwich, that could be a freakout because your buttons are going to move, your menus are going to move, your notifications are going to move. So for someone who gets used to something, 
they don't necessarily like that. I mean, my wife bought a Nook Color a couple of years ago, and Barnes and Noble came, came out with an update to the Nook UI last fall, and she would, she didn't like it. She would have preferred to stick with the way that the icons were laid out before. Now, this is the same argument with Windows 8 and Metro, which is Microsoft is changing everything with all the things that Apple is doing with iOS and Fusion and Lion and Mountain Lion. And those of us who have seen and worked with both Lion and checked out Mountain Lion, the developer versions, you see that the basic Mac stuff that you're all used to is still there. You don't have a ribbon in place of a menu bar. You don't have Metro. You don't have a read-learning issue, which I think what Microsoft may have forgotten with Metro on Windows 8 is why do you have to ask people who are updating Windows to have to learn something new? Why? I think that is a big mistake on their part, and I think you're going to see it particularly in the enterprise. Businesses, IT departments are not going to touch this new interface with a 10-foot pole. And I think that you're also going to see a lot of people going for downgrades. I mean, if my mom looked at that Windows uh, 8 interface, she would flip. And I'm not just saying this for moms, you know, for older people who are not, you know, facile with new technology. I mean, it, it is very jarring to go back and forth from the desktop to the metro with your different apps. No, we understand that. It's very complicated. As you hear, ladies and gentlemen, as we progress with this episode, they're calling his plane. And we don't want to have him riding on the wing. Because if Abram rides on the wing, it's going to be trouble for everybody. So we don't want to do that. So we're going to let Abram Pilch go. But before we do that, we're going to ask him, tell our listeners where to find more of your stuff. So you can find uh, my weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. You can check out laptopmag.com to read my review of the Nexus 7 and the Jelly Bean operating system on it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chief. And you can follow us, Tech Night Owl, on Twitter. You can check out our forums, forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. A lot of fun with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.